So this episode is sponsored by Inside Tracker and Meg, why don't you run down what Inside Tracker is and what you can get? Yeah, so Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging genetics and biometrics. With a simple blood test and using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside and to offer you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. And the good news for our listeners is for a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash drop in. Hi, this is Thomas with Believe in the Run. This is Robbie from Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Believe in the Run. No, Robbie was from Believe in the Run. He's not with Believe in the right. Run. Do I usually say with? I think he's a with. I always forget what I'm supposed to say there. Yeah, with. But it's all right. We'll, we'll continue with the show. If you're tuning in for the first time, you know this is the place for nonsense and run-adjacent conversations. But, I mean, we're supposed to be talking about running. But yeah. we get off tangent every once in a while, just like this intro. So know that you're here for the running podcast. You're probably excited about the guest we have on, but we'll get rolling. So why don't we start with you, Robbie? Uh, well, we should start out. <laughs> hold on. No, no. We should start out with the Run Show USA, right, Meg? Yes. So we want to remind everyone about the Run Show USA, which is taking place in Chicago this June, June 4th and 5th. Um, I mean, the- it's like an expo for running without having to do the running. Basically, that's exactly it. So there's going to be like inspirational speakers. They're going to have a bunch of gear. And like who are some of the speakers? And, we know Dylan Bowman. Um, Is Dylan Bowman going to be there? I believe. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Sally McRae. Yeah. So Carl Lewis, Dean Carnassus, Sally McRae, um, Fitz Kohler, who's actually we had on the podcast recently. Her episode will be coming out soon. Um, and obviously Sally, we just had on the podcast. Sally was awesome. One of our most listened to podcasts. I gotta say, she recent past. Such a fun person to have on. I, that was one of my favorites. I listened to that one because I obviously wasn't in the interview. You guys did it, and I was like, man, I want to go back and talk to her now. I she know, was right? awesome. We'll I feel it. like that when you guys talk about Nico. Yeah. That I was like, dang, I missed out because we'll be honest. Like sometimes, guys, we're just tired. <laughs> like the some of these interviews actually. All the time. They can really like just take the energy out of you because you spend so much time trying to listen and and uh, talk to these uh, individuals that are inspiring. That sometimes you're like, I don't, I, I can't bring my A game. So one of us will, you know, step out or whatever, or one of us will want to yeah. be like, I really want to talk to that person. So we'll sit somebody out, um, and we do. We listen to it later, and we're like, oh, I wish I could have been on that one. Yeah. Anyways, so the run show. Yeah. So back real quick to <laughs> a sponsor of this episode, the run show. So just, yeah, to remind you guys, it's basically like Tom said, it's an expo without the running nope. event. And we can get you free tickets. Free F double R. Wait a second. F R double E. This is Robbie's favorite thing in the world. Like he probably, even if he wasn't into running and somebody was like, I got free tickets to this run show. And he's yeah. like, well, I play golf. But yeah, I'll go. Yeah, it's hard. To, it's like you're losing money if you don't go. So yeah, so go to runshowusa.com. Use the code BELIEVE to get your free tickets. Speaking of which, yesterday we were walking down the street, Robbie, uh-huh. and we're on Boylston, and there's a quarter on the ground, 
And I almost walked back with my iPhone just to film me walking past the quarter. You walked past the quarter on the ground? Are you a psycho? <laughs> Wait, and not pick it up just to, just to send he, it to you. He did because he made a point to tell me about it. I was like, I wanted to go walk That's back. That's ignorant, just, dude. That's just, Take it. it was so shiny too. It was, it was pretty really? one. It, it was, wasn't one of those ones that got ran over by a Mack truck thirty five times. No, but that's a weird thing. Is like who's carrying quarters? <laughs> uh, people that find the quarters and then lose them again. Yeah. <laughs> it's just they're just recycled. And like, how do you do it in the middle of the sidewalk? Like, were you digging for something in your pocket? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I know that Robbie loves a free quarter, and true. I just wanted to film it getting left in Boston. Which, speaking of. Uh, finding this. If you listen to the podcast a few weeks ago, I revealed that I <laughs> revealed like it was some magic trick uh, <laughs> of garbage. I found a roll of film, like actual film, on my run. I think it's a canister of film. Canister, yeah. Um, and I picked it up. Sure enough, there's film in there. I took it to get it to the only place in Baltimore that does film development. And and just to pause, all of us. Would have walked past this canister. <laughs> Which, Only Rob again, crazy of all the people, me. you know, will pick up a canister and be like, "I don't care if there's stuff that could incriminate me, like murder on this or something <laughs> like that." Well, I felt when I get, took it to get developed, I was like, "I should probably." I like disclaimed it a little bit. I was like, "Yeah, I found this on the ground. Well, you know, I just thought I'd get it developed. Is that am I good on that? My cover <laughs> is that legal?" <laughs> And uh, yeah, so sure enough, I got the film back or the digital versions of the film. Oh, wait, you didn't get prints? No, because you can get prints, but they just like give you the digital files of them. And then if you want the prints, you can get them. I didn't them. even That's know that so was That's so cool. Thing. Yeah. So I didn't know that. You can just get the, mm-hmm. yeah, awesome. So what weird digital prints did you find? Uh, let's see if I can. We're gonna, you're going to have to put these on a link so our audience can see them. Yeah, so it's actually, it's not that interesting <laughs> as uh. you can imagine. It was um, a girl's graduation photos from high school. Like, What in, year do you know? Well, it was weird because she was blocking the last number on the like balloons. So it was like 2000 something. I think it was like 2004 maybe. Okay. Which but, is weird that they're, like even then it was film, you know. I guess that was still. That phased, was a tapering was out. out. You got to yeah. figure like iPods had just come out in mm-hmm. early 2000s. Yeah. So really it was just or mostly. Was iPods 2010. Wait, maybe I, I was 2006. So maybe. Yeah. Someone I know. Maybe. Well, it was from around here. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, well, that'd be weird. That'd be crazy. I should show you. I should bring up the pictures. Then, yeah. Because I don't have them right on hand. Actually, do I? Would have 2006 Robbie been like, well, yeah, let's go on a date? We'll pause the podcast <laughs> a second and I'll pull them up. Transfer you should back. put it in the Facebook group in the neighborhood and be like, does anybody know who this person is? It's also weird that they took pictures of graduation and never got them developed. Okay, so the photos are. Do you know this girl, Meg? No, I'm trying to figure out if I know that school. I want to see. No, I are they? No idea. Are they? Do they look blurry, or are they pretty decent quality? You can't. You uh, they're this they're decent quality. <laughs> There's just a guy sitting in the crowd. Um, hold on. I mean, they, I'll bring up. So it's just like. It's, yeah, I mean, it's still. It looks almost like a Instagram photo filter. Yeah, it is one of those like. Capsules in time. You can tell it's early 2000s because she has his blonde streaks in her hair. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, that that's was, like classic. That What's my name again? Um, and yeah, and then there's actually someone in our neighborhood, so I can probably track this person down. But yeah, so it was, uh, I don't know. An it adventure. was interesting to get him back and have this piece of someone's history. So if you've listened in the past, you now have full closure on Robbie's 
photo canister photos. Oh yeah. yeah. You gotta you gotta share them into the neighborhood group. Someone knows that person. Yeah, yeah like for neighborhood sure. group. I don't know <laughs> what I was saying. Hood of neighbors. Yeah. Words. Uh, all right. Anyways, so that was an interesting side tangent. Let's talk about Boston's because no, that's, that's everyone. Uh, wait, before we get into Boston, <laughs> we might as well get it. How's your running going right oh, now? Let's get into Boston. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I run once in the last week because it's like my schedule has been completely insane and thrown off. It has been insane. I would say this is what has transpired in the last week between us going to Florida, you going to Boston. This is the first time I've seen you in like two weeks. Yeah. yeah. Like, I for forgot real. about that. Yeah. And then I feel like we've seen you, but it's just that... It's been on video and stuff. It's really been like 13 <laughs> yeah. days. That's crazy. Not so, that Robbie's counting. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess we should start with your trip up when uh, you went up to see the New Balance, the track. Yeah, the track, capital letters, T R E C K. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I have to I, tell you, Robbie, I was feeling some major FOMO when you guys it. were up there, and I was like. I felt it, but then when, and I'm jumping ahead here, but when we went up, I was like, I wonder if Robbie's back at home going, yeah, it was the same reversal roles. But so when we were first invited to the track at New Balance, like the opening, I was like, oh yeah, we'll go. Like, I didn't know the extent of which it was like the, (laughs) yeah, we'll go. (laughs) I was like, oh, this is like cool. They're opening a thing. It's insane. Yeah. Like. So we got there on Wednesday, Brandon and I, and uh, so first of all, we did get to, earlier in the day, we checked out um, A6 2023 stuff, which looks pretty awesome. I gotta say, I can't believe how much there's- Did you like, see the big stack one? Yeah. Like, hmm. how much they're stepping up their game even more, because it's yeah. been really good. So I'm excited for that. Um, and then we went to the New Balance office as well, which apparently they had just gone back to work like that week. And that place is huge and just got to see some really cool stuff from next year. And it's right across the street from the track, the track. Right. So Do you re- the thing that blows me away about that whole thing is like a complex. And yeah. It's all huge. They're not a public company. This is one dude's. It is. Empire. Jim Davis, is that correct? The guy who drew Garfield? Is that what I'm thinking? Yeah. I was like, he also owns uh, the rights to That's how he knew about to get started. Cartoon he, cat. He drew, he drew Garfield. Is it? Is that, is that his name? They're going to hate me if I'm messing this up. Uh, so we, it is Jim Davis. All yeah. right. Dude, that will be funny if you pulled a double life as a cartoonist. Yeah. I love lasagna. <laughs> So anyways, Megan's tired. (laughs) She did run a marathon. She's already burned out. Yeah. But the opening of the track, we went there. We got like a little tour of the facility beforehand. They have some pretty cool testing labs. One of the things that was my uh, favorite lab or whatever was they have a climate control room with treadmills in it so they can jack the temperature up to like. That's cool. 104. I honestly felt like I was like. In a horror movie plot, so I'm like, they're definitely just like putting us all in here and closing the crank, cranking the temperature up to 200 degrees. Um, and yeah, so they can like lower it to like really cold temps. It was funny because we were in a group with a ton of TikTokers, yeah, and influencers, and everyone goes in there and like, holy crap, it's so cold. I'm like, dude, this is like perfect running temps. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it was like 35 <laughs> degrees. I was like, yeah, and they're freezing their asses off. I'm like, oh, these idiots. Well, it's hard to do t- the ticky talks when you And I'm the only one that cares that the person's wearing the SC Super Comp trainers on the treadmill. Yeah. While all the influencers are like, like, 
trying their best to pretend they were interested in it, but yeah. you could tell they just wanted to get to the fashion show or whatever. The TikTokers. Uh, whatever. It's, yeah. Honestly, we probably posted more content than they did. Well, they probably have more followers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not influencing a new generation of, of runners know. by... We're just an old generation. Yeah, we're bringing in the people that are still listening to audio shows on yeah. the old radio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coming at you. <laughs> Anyways, so the so they had the opening of the track, which was like this huge freaking party. Like, well, first before you get into it, let's describe the track a little bit. You got okay. some testing facilities mm-hmm. with not just like treadmills to test VO two, but like you said, temperature controlled rooms. They have areas in the lab to test the durability of shoes and and yeah. that kind of stuff like mechanical things that like bend a shoe a certain way right over and over and over mm-hmm. more so than you would wear yeah they had like uh athlete um they had sensors and cameras where they would uh image the athlete running and it would like show the and it would show their bones and everything it was yeah. real spooky stuff and it seemed cool to me. Yeah, it is super cool. And, and the whole facility, it, I mean, it's like a stadium that you would go to see a basketball game in or something like that. Like, it's that nice of a facility where, like, there was, mm-hmm. it, when we were Didn't there. Didn't you want to go, like, try everything yourself and get all the data on yourself? Like, what's my VO2 max? Oh, that's what I, I want. I definitely want to trip up for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would love something they didn't know my VO2 max. This has got to be good. <laughs> I don't want to pay to do it though. <laughs> no, no, no. We'll just we'll just go ignore the New Balance. I'm a little torn about getting that because, like, what if it's really low and then it's like you? This is your max. This is all oh, you you're can not, do. You're not getting any better. Yeah. Well, one, you can always improve your VO two, and two, Megan, you crush. There's no way you have a low. I'm not. I'm just saying hypothetically. It's not going to happen. I'm Stop. pretty sure my CO two max is <laughs> yeah. maxed out. <laughs> But Robbie, the other thing that I thought, like when we were there, they had food set up, bar set up, just like like you would at a like a vendors at Mm -hmm. like um, a baseball game. Well, we're not track people, so like we have not been to many track events. But this seemed like a real big production. Yeah. Oh yeah. So when you were there, there was like models. Yeah, they had a fashion show, and I felt bad for these models. They had to stand there for an hour. Yeah, Brandon said it Wait, got weird. I feel bad for these models. <laughs> yeah. They're really good looking and really, had to really, stand really around good. to earn their money. <laughs> Dude, standing in one place looking like fish in an aquarium. I don't know about that. Mm. I think that's not fun. There's, yeah, I don't know. Brandon did is, say it went on a little too long. Like well, It's kind of like, okay, we, we saw them. <laughs> I talked to one of the models while we were waiting for our Uber, and she was like, yeah, that was the longest I've ever stood in one spot. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Maybe ask Jim Davis about it, but the uh, the sh- the rest of the event was awesome. It was interesting because it was the opening of a track, but there was nothing that happened on the track except for Jack Harlow performing, and that blows <laughs> my mind because we'll get into it in a minute. But when Friday, when Megan and I got there, we had some fun with the track. You though, with Jack Harlow, I also thought it was weird because he was playing on the track or mm-hmm. in the center track, and the bleachers are not close to it. Yeah, it was a little distant, and as it's probably weird for him because obviously not the same level. But I have played in that kind of setting before, where you're away from the crowd, like when I was in a band, and the energy is so bad, different, right? Yeah, that's what I thought. It's like when you're in the crowd and you're like right above them and Mm -hmm. doing the fist pumps and all that stuff. It seems like you get that energy back. You guys look like you're like, and not your fault. 
But like, I'm sure not everybody who was there was like, oh, this is great, Jack Harlow. And they're standing in the stands, you know, 75 feet away from the guy. Yeah, it was it was a little it was a little awkward. But I mean, did you shout out any requests? Uh, <laughs> no, I think I was just like drinking beer. Uh, and he, I what what was I eating? I was eating oh, chicken sandwiches and drinking beer in the stands. Probably free free beer and free chicken Obviously. sandwiches. Yeah, of course. <laughs> the Ronnie. There's a whole stack of chicken sandwiches at the end there. I'm did like, you leave? someone's got to get. Yeah, did you leave with a bag of chicken sandwiches? You know what? That honestly, I don't know why I didn't. In hindsight, yeah. it was a terrible decision. Mm. But yeah, the so it was cool. Gabby Thomas, Sydney McLaughlin, they were there, and just that girl from Euphoria was emceeing the event. Uh, Storm Reed, she did a really good job, by the way. I think she's like, anyways. But it was it was just a lot of fun. You know, got to talk and hang out with some New Balance people. Uh, randomly met Bill Nye in the hotel when we went back. Oh, he wasn't part of the event? No, he was just like hanging out in the lobby of the hotel. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Bill, Bill Nye, the hotel lobby guy. Yeah. Were you staying at the Lennox? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so Brandon was like, yeah, Bill Nye's down here. And so uh, I came down. I was like, ah, I don't want to, you know, just. But then it doesn't did. mean a ton to me to meet Bill and I, but I mean, I grew up watching him I, like every okay. day after school. I will tell you this picture with Sydney McLaughlin or Bill Nye. I'll take Bill Nye all day. Yeah. I mean, and, and she's very attractive. She has a million and Instagram she's, followers. Yeah. Well, she's not going to post a picture of me with her on her Instagram. True. <laughs> so <laughs> it's down to my followers again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> How many does Bill Nye have? He's got to have a nice oh, following. Probably more than that. Yeah. yeah. But he was pretty nice and. At the same time, he was kind of like, I'm sure he gets asked all the time, like, take his picture and stuff, which I wasn't going to ask, but then Brandon was like, can we get a picture with you? I was like, all right. And you're like, I'm in. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, let's go. Let's go, basically. And But I'm like, dude, if you're wearing a bow tie in your full getup yeah. in a hotel lobby, you're, like you, you got to come for it. In. You yeah. could walk past Bill Nye. Like Bill Nye was just in a sweatshirt and, like, sweatpants. You'd probably be like, that dude looks a lot like Bill Nye and keep walking. Yeah. Guess how old he is. 70 pretty, pretty close i thought he's older he's 66 no i, th- I figured he's around that age okay i mean they'd I already when, invented tv i think the idea is like <laughs> when i was a kid when you're a kid and you see Adults. someone on tv you think they're so much older than they really mm-hmm. are when he was probably like 30 years old at the time. i've also found that even like the 10 year difference so like actors and stuff that were 10 years older than me so say i'm 10 and they're 20 in a movie yeah i'm like whoa they're adult and then as you scale up and those years the separation between 10 years and your age gets smaller and smaller. Then you're like, Oh, Rob Lowe's only like 11 years, 12 it's years. It's like the Sean Connery and Harrison Ford thing. Yeah. They're like 10 years apart, but he's his dad. And yeah, <laughs> <Dana> Jones. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anyways. But, yeah. That's enough of that. Really? I, I got, will tell you sitting at home, watching some of the pictures coming through and some of the stuff going through definitely had film. I was like, Oh, that looks amazing. I am glad. I don't think we would have gone to the track. Other than the fact that we found out that Brandon was going to get mm-hmm. a chance to do uh, a mile race. So Megan being the supportive uh, uh, coach to Brandon as she is, she wanted to go check it out, which I was yeah. thankful for because that meant I got to go check it out. Was, and uh, Megan, what was that like? Watching Brandon? Yeah, senior protege on the track. Oh, so much fun. Like it was I, emotional. Like I said, like we're not, I never grew up around the track. So like I just, that environment was totally new. Um, although I think that environment was new for everyone because it was just insane. This is how much we haven't grown up around the track. 
we didn't realize it was a 200 meter track. Right. And so we're like, they're going around a lot. No, here's what happened. <laughs> shouldn't admit that on this podcast. Is we got there and I was like, they're doing way more than four laps. I was like, how long is this race? And Thomas is like, no, it's a mile. They're doing four laps. And then I was like, that guy just did six laps. I love well, it. It, it, it. The whole size of a track, though, inside, like you, you put a track it inside. It looks big. Yeah. yeah. It looked normal. Like I wouldn't have been like, oh, that's a tiny track. But it it's amazing. And I actually think... It seems like people are running faster because they go around so many times. So many times. And what's cool is they had a light on the interior of the track, which would be the pace set for each heat. So like Brandon was like in. Like if you keep up with that light, you're doing that pace. A 427 mm -hmm. heat. And so that's where the light went around. And he ran a 434, so not far behind it. No, it was pretty, pretty sick. sick. Yeah. It, and I have to say, like, I could have been watching my son. Like, it was like I was so invested <laughs> Well, and it was like a whole production. Like they announced his name. They've got like fires shooting up. It's yeah. like fireworks. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you weren't there for that. They had like these boxes. Like pyrotechnics. Lined. Yeah. yeah. So when they run through, like. <laughs> like so, for every every person, like even all the amateurs. Yeah, they it announced. Yeah, it was amazing. And then. Um, yeah, I didn't know there were fireworks there. I would definitely have been into that. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> got your Joe Dirt costume on. Yeah, Come down. For real. But yeah, it was just insane. And he ran so well and he had to start like way back. So just watching him like catch up to people and pass him. And he, I got to see some of the strategy, like he'd pass three people at a time, then tuck back in, then pop back out. And uh, he did really well. So cool. It, it was cool. And then they did something that I thought was a special New Balance name at the time. Again, you're not going to want me to admit this, but they're like, we're going to have a DMR. And I was like... Hey. Is that a drug? Well, no, I was like... <laughs> they was kept like, saying DMR, and Danny kept saying DMR, and I was like, what is that? Yeah, we're like, D like I thought that was like the New Balance DMR. I was like, you guys haven't marketed that well. I, I only have know no what, idea. I only know what it is because Brandon kept saying it, and then I figured it out. Distance medley relay. Yeah, again, things we shouldn't admit, but there's hey. SMRs. We, don't know what that one means, but you know, there's a whole bunch of SM, SMEs. Like, so anyway, yeah. their their whole thing. Those are meals ready to eat. <laughs> the whole thing with the opening of this track yeah. was that they were going to attempt to break the world record, the DMR right. world record. And we thought we were going to get to see Sydney McLaughlin run it. Sydney didn't end up running. They uh, got a filler for her, and so they're going after this world record. But what was really kind of cool is, I don't know how we managed it, but Brandon and I were on the inside of the track taking photos. And video. Clearly security <laughs> was not on <a> par. <laughs> well, no, I think, you know, it's because we were standing around the right people when we entered. And, you know, we were like, had official looking gear. It wasn't like we're there with our iPhones. You know, we have DSLRs. And we get in there. And if we needed a pass, we could have gotten it from New Balance. Yeah. They had already approved. So we were just like, why hassle them? We'll just go in and, and do it. And so we're we're getting like a really close. Yeah, like really look close. at it. Yeah, at one point maybe I was a little uh, too close. Meg, so you know that <laughs> there's a photo where yeah Thomas is like freaking out. L uh L Perry Perrier, Saint, Saint Pierre, Pierre is coming around the <laughs> turn and Thomas is within a foot. Yeah, and I was like, literally, I'm talking about it and my hands are sweating. Yeah, like. Is freak like anxiety through the roof? Like, yeah. 
I felt her, the wind come off of her. Oh like my gosh. I just stop talking. I felt her life energy. I can't. Do as this. She went by me. I can't do it. It was insane. I felt my life energy coming out of me. So I could have almost. I was probably a little too close and. If I had been any closer, I could have ruined a world record. All right, we need it for real. I can't even take this. The great thing was they got the record. And what was also insane about it, when the women were doing the run, they were all fast. They were all super fast. But when the one woman came on. Heather McLean and then it was Kendall who came and did the 400 and just Like, oh my God. God, it was like another, it was like watching like, you know, those people who fix up uh, civics and, and make civics go really fast with the NOS and all that stuff. Yeah. That was like Walker that, yeah, that was like the, the, the women doing the longer distance. Like they're like, Whoa, that's really fast. This was like seeing a formula one racer hit the track. It was just like, like by the time. Because I'm trying to take pictures. By the time I'm trying to turn to get her on the other side, yeah, she's You're already gone. like gone. Yeah. Like it, it was, I've never seen anything like it. It was probably one of the most beautiful strides I've ever seen in my life. Oh yeah, just insane. And then when Saint Pierre, uh, how many names do we have here? It's it's two. L Perrier. She got Pierre. L Perrier Saint Pierre. Yeah. Um, when she was running, she's so strong mm-hmm. and graceful. And again, it was just like something amazing to watch and all these women did really well one of the girls was a teenager high school yeah crazy yeah imagine just like coming out of high school and being like yeah i'm just gonna help break this world record real quick well apparently sydney mclaughlin when she was in high school oh right broke the world record yeah yeah so all right well anyways that was awesome yeah it was are we talking about like i feel like this is going on a while and i'm Feel like people are, want to hear about Meg, but I know you're also doing. No, we I can say, do a quick. I say we do a quick recap. We can also tell them a little bit, like what they should prepare for for the five k if they ever run it, because that is not a race you're going to PR unless you're in the very front. Oh yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, basically, why don't we hit that first because it kind of okay. happens chronologically. So you ran so the five k after the track. We the next morning is the five k. And I wish, I wish I had gone into it knowing what it was going to be like because I would have relaxed, had a great night of sleep, woken up, not been stressed out. But I was like, I really want to try to work this 5K. So I was in race mind set, you know. Thomas had a there. lot of anxious energy Saturday yeah. morning. So I'm getting there and uh, they have you line up by pace. And you know me, I'm not going to do a six minute 5K flat, six yeah. minute um, pace. pace. Yeah, flat. So I line up at the six minute and I'm a little nervous about being there because I'm like, honestly, like if I ran a 640 to 655 pace, that would be optimal right. for, for my talent. And so I'm like, I'm a little ahead of myself. I'll just get pulled out and see how long I can hang on until I start falling back. Because in a 5K, it's going to hurt the whole time anyway. Mm-hmm. So the race starts and I'm like, I'm pretty far back. I, wow, a lot of fast people. And there's 30,000 people running this 5K. And 10,000 10, people. That's less. That's a third less. Um, or, yeah, two thirds less. Uh, 10,000 people running this 5K. It squeezes up. It compresses. And I'm starting to look around at some of the people that are in front of me. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's, you can't judge a book by the cover. Right. Maybe they're super fast. The gun goes off. Like the first wave went out. I'm not even in the first wave. Our wave kicks up. Gun goes off. I think another wave went off. And then like they were kind of like had a string between the different waves and mm-hmm. finally went off. 
So I'm in a pretty fast wave and the gun goes off and I couldn't run. Like there was, it was like, like walking. Like, we're, yeah, you're like, did that stutter step to go yeah, run? Yeah. And kind of get, and I, by the time we get out, we're starting to jog, but I'm like, I'm looking and there's people four wide walking. Okay. In the six minute crowd? Yeah. They will. It's uh, it's like self selected crowds. So, so people wait, just go where they want. Still. So like, I get to the, I'd say a mile and a half, and I'm still dodging and weaving walkers. Oh my god! Like there was the guy that I was standing next to, and he like jumped up on the curb and was running down the side street. There was people like you had to be like on your left, on your left. people were walking and they were deep, and for some reason it was just so crowded, like running around and so i at a mile and a half i'm in so the, this these people must have been in those first two waves before me yeah and i'm still doing this and i'm just like did it ever loosen up um well it never was like loose loose but towards the last mile it, you could kind of like pick lines and, and speed up but i i got like once i was once i was about a half mile in i, I was like okay just calm down this isn't going to be a fast day Wow. And then I was like, okay, try to find lines, try to do this, pick it up. But by, by that turnaround point, yeah, I, mean, I was just like, <laughs> you know, it, is what it, it is what it is. And I was getting, I got to wear the SE trainer from New Balance. So that was fun. But I didn't feel like I got to put it to the test. Right, right. Um, and so we came down and it did kind of open up the last half mile. And I saw Danny and some of the other New Balance people there. And I didn't see Megan, Brandon, but. I ended up like finishing. Makes like, yeah, you're. You, you said I looked like I was jogging. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it was just like, yeah, it was just like, okay, if by chance you wanted to race the Boston 5K, and you want to race it, start at the very front. Yeah, but <laughs> start with the elite. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. But if and I would say I still really enjoyed the race, mm -hmm. just because you're running through Boston. It's cool. Yeah, you're with cool. ten thousand people. It's Boston Marathon weekend. Like, I just wish I had known that that's what it was going to be right. as I was going to the race. But then after that, I was free for the weekend as far as the only stress I had was the, you know, being in places I had commitments to. Yeah. But like. I Otherwise, it's party, party yeah, mode. Yeah, pretty much. So Meg was great. Brandon was great. And, uh, you know, we just kind of went to the expo for the rest of the day and then. uh yeah, we did ready. our we did our tours of the brands on Newberry Street, hit up the expo, um, and then we had our bagel shakeout run Sunday morning, which was insane. Which was epic! It, I yeah. I wish you were there because there was tons of love for Believe in the Run and for all that stuff. We had like three hundred people there. Uh, Went through three hundred bagels. Yeah, three hundred oh, bagels. Yeah, jeez, yeah. like carafe after carafe of coffee. Yeah. I probably did have too much caffeine that day because I had coffee before the 5K. I had coffee after the 5K. I got to the And you didn't shake your pants? No. Oh. Um, I got, Impressive. got coffee there. Um, but, and I think I got coffee afterwards. But the the run was amazing. We had Emma Bates there. We had Lindsay Flanagan. Of course, the A6 team was there. We had Megan Featherston there. It, I decided on the route with Frank about five minutes before we started, so we may have made a wrong turn and well, we just a had to do a little out and back. And Would our, it be a believe in the run? Our two <laughs> to three mile shakeout was closer to four miles. Yeah, but three point seven. Everyone was real champs about it. No one it, complained. It was perfect weather. It was like sunshine, just cold enough for a good running, but not like freezing. The wind. There was no wind. We came back. People hung out. 
we talked to a ton of people. A lot of people wanted to ask questions about show and different stuff that we do. And, you know, a lot of people were just interested in talking about, you know, Megan and what the race was going to be like tomorrow, which would have been the Monday. What tips did you give people, Meg? I wasn't giving out tips. You know who's giving tips? I felt like she was getting given out free tips was Lindsay Flanagan got cornered by these women and they were like, okay, now what? And Lindsay's a coach, right? Yeah, she is. And yeah, so she's given like coaching tips. Nice. So people coming into the run got free uh, coaching tips from one of the best runners in the world. So <laughs> yeah. It was um, cool. And I guess, we'll, I, I guess we're going to talk about your experience, Megan. Uh, full full race breakdown on the Fuel for the Soul podcast. Yeah, so there'll be more details on the Fuel for the Soul podcast, where which both, is also coming out this same day. Yeah, so go check that I'll one. Put out. the link in the description. Yeah. Both we Megan. Got, we got your Saturday miles covered if you got long run. Yeah. Yeah, both Megan and I, Megan Featherston, break down our races in a lot of detail. Um, yeah. But just to, do you want to just talk about a little bit on this one? So Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think people want to know, especially all the people that follow you here and don't listen to Fuel for the Soul. Yeah. Um, so race morning, they they have this like recommendation of time of when you should get on a bus. And it said recommended, so I kind of took that with like a, eh, we'll go when we want to go. <laughs> um, and it turns out you should follow their instructions. Um, they, they've been doing like, this a while, 126. Megan and I met up at 645. We were supposed to be at the buses before 645, so we strolled over there closer to 7. And there was like some logistical errors with the first wave of buses, so they didn't come back in time. So there was like a lot of waiting, which increases, you know, anxiety levels, race morning, like what's happening. I was, I was like, I walked with her to the buses. The level of anxiety, you felt certain people just were vibrating like the pre-race jitters. There's other people that are just as relaxed as like, hey, just a summer trip. Yeah. So Thomas was live recording in the morning and entertaining a lot of us, which was nice. Um, and then, so we finally got on the buses and made our way down. It's an hour long bus ride. Oh, really? The, yeah. From I the, didn't realize it was that. Cause I mean, you're going 26 miles. Yeah, I guess that <laughs> does make sense. Yeah. So it's a long bus ride and I thought we were going to have a long time in athletes village to like hang out or whatever. We did not. We had about 15, 20 minutes oh, wow. before they were then herding us into corrals to then you walk a mile from athletes village to the start line. At yeah. this point, at, at this point, because I, I never asked you this, in the morning, were you, I know you wanted to run a PR, and I know we had talked about sub 250. Yeah. In that, in the morning, were you still like, that's my goal? Like, were you locked into that? Like, did you feel confident in the morning, like when we were leaving for, to go check out the buses, or were you still like, I'll see? No, I wanted to go for a PR. Like, I wanted to go for a fast time for me. Um, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel when I started running because we were on our feet for so long in the morning. Like I, I told Megan, I think we probably walked three to four miles before we started. But did you do a warm up run or was you, no. your walk was your warm up? Our walk was <laughs> And the then trying up. to find porta potties. <laughs> yeah. So everywhere in athletes village, we went, had a line and then we'd get in line. And then someone would be like, Hey, there's no line over here. So then we'd go walk over to this oh. one and everyone else had done that. And so then we literally did that three Never times. Never the line. Never actually made it to a porta potty, but we knew that once you started walking down to the start line, that mile long walk, there was a stopping point with bathrooms there. So we were just banking on those. 
Can I, there's one thing that I did learn this weekend about bathrooms and the race. If you bring spectators with you to the race, they should not be waiting in lines for the bathroom oh, before yes. the race. Like, oh, no, 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 no. Like no. there was. It, well, you can, in Athletes Village, it's only athletes. Okay. Oh. Where, where I was for the 5K, there was like families in line. I'm like, hey, th- these are for the yeah. athletes. Like maybe you guys wait 10 minutes till the gun goes off and then, yeah, you know, use a porta potty. But anyway, so we made it. It was very last minute. And then I feel like finally when we were down there and that's where there was like a spot to, so we wore different shoes. We carried our race shoes. We had like throwaway clothes on. So like this what, is the point where you. What were the different shoes? You threw the shoes away too? or Yeah. Oh, okay. I had like an old pair of Hoka's. Gotcha. Okay. From like six years ago. <laughs> from like two months ago. They were the Kiwanos. No, they were very old. Um and because we weren't sure how muddy, excellent condition though, <laughs> how like muddy athletes village was going to be. And I just didn't want to be walking around in my alpha flies for literally four miles before the event. So anyway, laced them up and then finally got into our starting corral. I magically ran into this guy who I had met at the cherry blossom and we had very similar goals and we're going to run together. That's like the chances of that. Like Dude, insane. it was insane how many people we ran into when they were waiting in line. I ran into like all these people. This one guy that I saw at Cherry Blossom, I saw him at uh, the BNA half marathon, AJ. Um, and then like we ran into uh, Jess at the beginning of the race. Yeah. Like thousands and thousands. Yeah. Of it people. is pretty wild. But yeah, so um, found him. We got to the start. The anthem went off. The planes flew over. Oh. Like just super epic, exciting. And. Um, I didn't like really hear the gun, but then all of a sudden we just all started moving forward and it's like so packed that you can't really see in front of you, but you know that there's like a steep downhill. So you're just like sort of walking, jogging, and then all of a sudden you see Mm -hmm. like the start and then it was just like, okay, go. And so I like click my watch, but there's like nowhere to go. And like, think about this way, Rob, like normally you have a race. I guess the same as like Thomas's situation. Exactly. Yeah. uh, Yeah. But She's there's there had 30,000 people. I don't know yeah. how many people were in your corral, but it's on a two lane like back road. It's not like, a, yeah, yeah, it's it not, is wild. And yeah, and so there's like no, there's no way to get around anyone. And so I was in my mind, I'm like, well, this is the first mile is going to be slow. It's fine. It is what it is. And then like mile two is approaching and it is like packed the whole way. And I was at, at that point, that was the first time where I was like, well, today won't be a PR day because I, I just can't. Like, I, I can't get around it. I love how everything in Boston is like old and made for dwarves. It's like <laughs> yeah. like Fenway Park. Here's a seat that fits small toddlers. Yeah. And uh, let's all sit in them. And then here's a road that's 10 feet wide. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, Meg. So you're running down. You finally decide it's time to weave in and out. Well, yeah, so the guy I was running with, Chapin, uh, took the lead on that one and sort of just, we just weaved. And so that's basically what we were doing for like several miles. Um, And we were chatting about the pro field. And then all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I see him just like, it's just like, I thought maybe he fell in a pothole or something. It was like a sudden, like something bad happened. How far in was this? This is around mile seven. Okay. So you're still going downhill. Um, Oh, wow. And... Then he just grabbed his leg and said something about his meniscus and then just pulled off to the side and was like, you got this, you go. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> there goes my guy. But 
because we have really good fans. Um, yeah, literally within five seconds, a, the, a guy popped up right next to me and was like, hey, what happened? And I was like, I have no idea. So he says something about his meniscus. And um, we started talking, and he's a huge fan of Believe in the Run, listens to the podcast every week, was going for a 245, but was like uh, starting out conservative until heartbreak. So we agreed to run together for a while. Um, super nice guy. It was his first Boston, so he was like asking me about the hills, and I was like, I don't really remember. <laughs> it's like giving birth. <laughs> um, and yeah, so we ran together for a while. He took off around mile 19, which he thought was Heartbreak Hill, which was not Heartbreak Hill. <laughs> it was the one before it. It was. It <laughs> that was is it. Heartbreak Hill. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he had a great day, so it, it was fine. But um, yeah, at one point he had like turned around because I was like slowly going up the hills. And I was like, no, no, you go. <laughs> so question, is Heartbreak Hill actually compared is it actually that bad no the hill the actual heartbreak hill yeah no it's a hundred yards or something so like what's it comparable to around here i know nobody else knows this but just from my own i don't is it like the patterson park hill i guess yeah but like shorter all right so yeah Um, terrible wait so it's shorter than like if you're going up to the outside yeah oh wow um, but here's the thing, Robbie. It's coming after. No, it's I get. At mile 21. I get it. No, but there's other hills in front of it, so it's like the last okay. one. But and here's the thing about the Newton Hills is like mentally, I was preparing for them all day, and then it just got to a point though where I was like, "Is this heartbreak hill? No, is this heartbreak?" And then I just wanted to be so done with the hills that I didn't even realize we were on Heartbreak Hill. But I looked up and there was like this giant banner that said, "Congratulations, you like finished the Newton Hills and Heartbreak." And I was like, "Oh, okay." And then after that, you know, it's basically six miles down to the finish. You said it was really loud when you went through. Oh, the Wellesley Scream Tunnel? Yeah. 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 Ask about that. Yeah. Um, It was funny because Nick, who I was running with at the time, um, like, remember how I told you you could hear it before you get there? Yeah. Like, you could hear it before you got there. Does it ever feel like you're reaching the finish line, though? (laughs) Like. Yay, we're done. No, because there's, I mean, there's crowds the whole time, but like yeah. you, like you, we knew what we were coming up to. And then all of a sudden it's like, it goes from a hum to just like screaming. Sick. And I mean, like we, you couldn't even talk to each other. Like, it's just like so loud. Did he pull over? No. No. <laughs> but he did. He was like doing like the hype stuff. <laughs> Robbie's like, pulling over. <laughs> high-fiving people. Um yeah. Yeah, that part was really, really fun. That's cool. How how long is that section? It's it felt very long. Like wow. I wanna say like it was half a mile long. Holy crap. Yeah. That's amazing. Um <laughs> that's insane. Yeah, and then <laughs> So the, I'm tracking. There's probably some dudes losing like fifteen minutes of time right there. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm tracking the whole time. And uh you know, I'm kinda talking to Danny's there and uh, uh Nick Clistava actually I I got him into the New Balance thing, so he's there. And um, he's, they're both like, well, Meg's doing well, but, you know, the hills are coming. And I'm like, you guys don't. You don't know Meg. Exactly. That's what I was like. I was she like, eats hills for breakfast. Well, I was just like, this girl's tough. Like, I don't I don't think she doesn't know that there's hills coming. She'll, she'll be all right. Well, and so I, like, one of the first things I said to Thomas afterwards. So after I got over Heartbreak Hill, I was like, okay, just cruise it in. Like I, I wasn't like I was I was uncomfortable, how, but I felt like I could hold it. How hold far the was the Lennox from the finish line? You think maybe a tenth of a mile? Yeah. So I'm at a tenth of a mile with New Balance. They hooked up a really nice spot. 
So I am like on the course. Like most people, like they have to like fight through 14, 15 people deep crowd to yeah, get right. to the front gate. Yeah, we're right seat. there. We're on it. We got um, we ran into this guy Weston, who's Jeff Galloway's son. Hmm. Gives gives us a bandstand or grandstand pass. So I give that to Brandon because he's got the cameras, and I'm like, yeah, get good pictures, which he did. He took some oh, amazing yeah. shots. So, but I'm standing there really close to the course, and I'm like, well, if Megan comes down, like if Megan comes down close to the side, I'll be like, I'll I'll be able to smack her. If she's further away, she'll still be able to hear me because. Like I am, I'm there. Yeah. And she kind of, you knew kind of where I was going to be, right? Yeah. All right. So she's running down. I'm getting a little nervous. Just always when the time you see the clock and the clock isn't matching her time and the predictor is saying, okay, she's predicted to for the 248. And then I, I see, like, I just know your stride. So I see, you know, that coming through. And chicken the, arms. The, yeah. The, the <laughs> chicken arms and the ponytail swinging, swish, wash, swish, wash. I'm like, there's my girl. So I start screaming. And uh, Meg, like, smooth as, like, a fighter pilot going by, just, like, gives me a... Oh, you saw? Yeah. yeah. Okay, nice. I heard it. It was, like, a, like that was the... Talk about Wellesley scream tunnel. <laughs> the Thomas scream the, tunnel. No, but, like, the finish line oh, screaming yeah. is just wild. But, like, Thomas's voice was piercing through. Nice. He was hoarse this morning, I got to yeah. tell you. Yeah. I, I still... My throat still hurts. <laughs> And um, I looked over and I saw his his uh, GoPro in his hand, like Insta sticking out or Insta360. Yeah. And I was like, there he is. <laughs> and she just, she gets a little smile on her face. Gives me a point. Like she's at a rock, you know, rock concert. Like if you were the lead singer <laughs> yeah. of a band. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, I'll see you. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and, um, she's coming. I know her. Yeah, I know that's, her. that's my wife. That's my wife. Um, she's running through and, uh, and you just look so smooth. And like, it didn't even look like the day had damaged you at all. Well, it's funny because I, I I started to get that like uncomfortable twinging in your legs where you're like, these cramps are coming. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of time. But I have been there so many times where I knew like I've I found like that that line where I know not to cross it. Mm-hmm. And there was a few times where I was like feeling kind of good and the crowds were like really getting me going and I would try to pick up the pace and then it would be like, no, oh, no, that's the worst. <laughs> you cannot do that. <laughs> and so I was just like, OK, just hold steady. And I never looked at my watch, so I didn't know if I was running a PR, a three-hour marathon. Oh, you didn't? Uh, I had no idea. Really? No idea. Hell yeah. I But I was, because in That's my mind, awesome. I was like, this is as fast as I can go. It doesn't matter what my watch says. Like, this is as fast as I can go right now. And so I got to the finish line, and I saw the clock, and it said 2.50, and I was like, I know I have two minutes. Oh, sick. And so when I stopped my watch, I looked down, and it said 2.48.34, and I was like... Which is insane because your official time was it's the exact same two forty eight thirty four yeah and you came in eight what was it eighteenth over no that I'm thinking of <laughs> <laughs> oh, was it I was sixtieth yeah but of Americans do we know I don't know I don't know how to figure that out but sixtieth in a world major hey, with thirty thousand people not to um yeah it's insane I thought. So I thought you were sixty two, and then but on the thing it said sixty first. Did you notice that? Did oh, they, it it's it's changed a couple times. Oh, okay. It's, so it's yeah, it could be sixty one. Oh, okay. At one point I was fifty eight, but now I think so I'm 61. I thought it was sixtieth, and then I like yeah, somebody like I went back and I, yeah. yeah, but forty third all or forty third American. Did you oh, know that? No. Yeah. There you go. All right. Cool. Yeah, it's top fifty American out of thirty thousand runners. Insane. Like, 
It it bl- just blows my mind. There's like, like do you 40, realize there's like forty kids in my kids' kindergarten class. That's insane. That's <laughs> Megan ran like her of that many people. It, yeah, in in the first time that she ran Boston, she ran a three nineteen. So not only, I mean, what is that as far as math? Real quick, thirty two minutes. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, my and one of my goals was because I saw that we have a poster from the first Boston, and I was like, "How cool to be if I ran thirty minutes faster than the last time I did it." We, there you Mission go. Accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just sick, Robbie. Like, talk, talk about emotional. So, and Megan came back. We obviously put a, a quick post race interview on. <laughs> it was like Instagram. delirious. Yeah, it was I the best. So um, good. Yeah, it just it, it was that race is special, and the thing. I took away from it. Was it like, Robbie, we should run it. <laughs> yeah. No, trust me. Like the whole yeah. vibe of being there even beforehand. It's like the build up and like, and then seeing everyone. It's like, I was, yeah, it definitely puts something in you. that's like, I, okay, I gotta just get, get the work and do some shit. Yeah. Like for well, real. I, I'm like, I've been making this too hard. Cause I was like looking around. I'm like, Psh. Okay, that guy's doing it. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's uh, uh man. The one regret crazy. I have for the weekend is I didn't, you know, I was so focused on doing stuff that we had to do with our partners, with ASICs, and with all, uh, even with some of the stuff we were doing with Megan Featherston and and getting stuff ready for the race. Obviously, taking care of Mer- uh, Megan before the race and uh, doing the 5K and all that stuff. I didn't really get a chance to hang out with any of the faster bastards that were there. They came out for the um the bagel run. But we mm-hmm. had some amazing performances from Seriously. from the team. And I just gotta tell you guys I'm so proud of you guys. And it was so so amazing to, you know, see what some of you guys were doing out there. Like like insane times like Steve Monier and Ben Adams. Ben Adams looked like he was jogging. Yeah, jogging and having fun. And what did he end up running? Like a two forty four. Yeah. Yeah. It, like that, high high crazy. High fiving people. Yeah, I, I, I was wondering about this because I saw, you know, like a lot of our friends times and some people like, you know, really blew up on it. So mm-hmm. which but they all finished, which is amazing because like, yeah. some of them blew up at like mile 10 or things just went wrong from the start. And I'm like, the fact that you finished is nuts. I think if you get there, you got to finish. Yeah. But so I wondered, is that a thing particular to Boston or is it finishing? Yeah. Or, yeah. or not just finishing, or just but just like. Up. It seemed like there was like two extremes. It was yeah. like it definitely from talking to people. It was you either talk to people and like I PR today, or you talk to people yeah. and like this was the hardest right right day I've ever had. I think that's usually pretty true of all events, but specifically Boston because of the way the course is designed. Mm-hmm. Like you can have a phenomenal first half and then and your get heart absolutely destroyed. Yeah, your heart's got to be going nuts beforehand. Like yeah. the whole yeah. week, probably. Well, that's probably. yeah. One of the things I it, we talk about this on the other podcast, but the thing I took away from it is if I am going up there and running, I'm resting and not doing anything other than concentrating on the race. It's so tempting. There's so many brands up there. You're walking You're walking down the street and you see Kira D'Amato, you see Des Linden, you see, well, I saw uh, Shalane Flanagan. Mm-hmm. I ran into the dudes from uh, the NN team. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, there's, if you want, if you're a fan of running, it's hard not to get swept up and all the stuff that's around the event, like you're living in the like amazing time. But like, if you, you just, 
you got to tune that stuff out and concentrate on your race if you want to have a good day because otherwise you can be on your feet too much. You're going to yeah. be talking to people too much. Yeah, I could see that. And I bet just the overall yeah, state of the race um, could definitely. <laughs> and they got good weather this year. And yeah, that, that was the thing weather. that I thought was funny because I feel bad for people who didn't have a good race because everybody's walking around going, oh, yeah, the perfect weather for it. And that's the thing. We about, had some headwinds. It I wasn't know, perfect. I know. But when people are saying stuff like that, yeah. like I even felt like um, one person uh, when Megan did well. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not even going to tell you the person. I just remember who it was. Uh, I'll tell you off the okay. record, Robbie. But they were like, uh, Megan did really well. He goes, oh, she did really well. And he goes, well, she did have perfect weather for it. <laughs> okay. I'm like, dude. I said to him, I said, see me do, do that with the perfect weather. <laughs> right. Not going to happen. So, uh, yeah. The only other thing I'll say is about it, the finish line. It was a Mr. McGill. The, oh, okay. the, the finish line is regardless, I feel like, of guys that were coming. And I say guys because it was mostly dudes around me. Um, the finish line, if they had a good race or a bad race, like everyone is congratulating everyone. And there's, even though we're complete strangers, it's like we just both did something really hard and we just experienced that day together, even though we weren't together. And there's just like, I don't know, there's a camaraderie that's like instant. I like how Meg the says, line. there's a lot of guys around me. You finished like top, what, 40 something American women, 60. Yeah. So there was a lot yeah. of guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's only a few other women ahead of you. And some of those were pros and already whisked off to like fantastic adventures. <laughs> The, the end of the women's race is insane because I was watching on TV. It looked good. Paid my $5 Peacock subscription for a month. <laughs> um, <laughs> so annoyed. I canceled it right after, though. Usually I let that ride for another <laughs> year. Like, damn it. <laughs> paid 60 bucks to watch the Boston Marathon. Uh, but the end was nuts. Did you see the actual end of it? I like, only I saw it. Highlights? I yeah. only saw it like today. I watched oh, it. And that, the, they said they're best friends. Really? Because they look like best enemies. Yeah. Well, well I think when competing. you get on the. On the course what was crazy about it is some of the angles on tv made it look closer than it, it was. was like it was close until the last 100 meters right well i guess i mean they were like I, shuffling I, back and forth yeah where i was it, it was that yeah it was tenth of a mile right left it and, wasn't that close yeah, so yeah, it didn't look seconds. as close but it um i love that you know she's is a chip how do you say her chip, name chip, 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 well, it kept whipping her head around to see, like, is she on this side, on that side? Is she coming? Like, yeah. just the fact that you have to do that at the end of a 26-mile race <laughs> is insane. Yeah. I mean, well, and, uh, hold on. Um, not chip to chair, but uh, Yeshina, is that, I can't remember if that's exactly how you say your last name, but she, um, so she almost went off course. Did you see that part? Mm -mm. Like with a quarter mile to go or so. This is a course that hasn't changed. I know, but this happened before. I think last year, maybe in the men's race. Um, the you're just pissed off the blue line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the lead motorcycles peel off on the right. last yeah. turn. She followed, them. and she started following the motorcycles. So she probably went ten feet out of her way, and then a uh, chip to chair passed her on the inside. And she had to like catch up to her. Oh wow! So it was like a little hitch that you, can, you never you know. There's one little crazy thing too about the course, um, because you know you go through all these main streets in Boston or whatever, and people need to cross. They have volunteers that take arrow signs 
and they like like so you'll be going to one side and then they'll move and you'll be going to this side so like oh, right. you're like they're like swapping runners throughout the whole end of the course yeah that was, was weird that's got to be mess with your head yeah but anyway. um anyways adidas for the win though on uh, i think uh both both yeah, yeah. adios pro 2 which i've heard news that the three is going to be totally different and is like oh, wow. an improvement. And the four is totally different than the three huh. is a big improvement. I mean, we weren't huge fans of the Audios Pro 2, but I could see if you're an excellent athlete, how you apparently know it works. I do. I did kind of my time that I lost my love for the Pro 2 is when I did that long run down in Florida. Um, and Megan and I were back there uh a week or so ago. Um, and we had to run up on the street again because uh, part of the trail was flooded that we were on. And I don't think I realized how cambered that road was. Oh. And 20 miles in that heat yeah. with the camber road may have played into my, uh, I, I kind of want to throw the shoes back on and mm -hmm. go for a run in them just to see uh, what, what it'll be. But I think right now I'm going to just try to work out in the SC trainer and, and, Nice. So yeah, I guess that's pretty much it for Boston. Um, anything else we forgot to cover? I don't think so. I mean, uh, unless you want to go do a shoe review. <laughs> <laughs> there's probably some more stuff we forgot to cover. Yeah, the shoe we have is the brand Black Kaiju. It is in the video the whole time. I don't know. It is in the video. We're, we'll talk about it another time. We've yeah. gone along a little long. We know you got other stuff to do, mm -hmm. so we'll, we'll we'll go over that. But if you're not familiar, you can check it out. We've got pictures and a written review of it already up on the site. So check that out, and then you can hear us blabber about it on the next podcast. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for following along for all the Boston stuff. Yeah, and thanks to all of you who came out for the bagel run, and really appreciate it that you guys stopped up and you know said hello, introduced yourselves. That was great. Yeah. So uh, today's guest is Nico Montanez. He's a an Asics uh, pro athlete. He just, also ran the Boston Marathon. Yeah, yeah, he finished, I believe, in like 219. I think it was 29th male overall. I think it was, don't hold me to that. That's off the top of my head. But honestly, this is like one of my favorite interviews that we've done. Yep, I would agree. And the first time Megan and I have done an interview together. Is this yeah. the first time you guys did one together? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Nico's awesome. He's got a great story. So I think you guys will enjoy this one. All right, so first check-in. If I learned anything this past week was how amazing the running community is and how awesome it is to be a part of it. And right now you're doing something to be a part of it. You're out there running. It doesn't matter if you, you know, qualify for Boston or ran Boston or didn't run Boston. You're out there. You're doing it. If it's a goal of yours, keep pushing. All right, so we're here with Nico Montanez, and uh, pretty excited to have you on the show today. Nico, you're, uh, Nico is an ASICS athlete, and he is uh, uh, training with the Mammoth Track Club under Andrew and Dina Castor, so we're excited to hear some more about that. 
Aniko, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate yeah. it. Uh, so what do you, what do you want to start? With, I Megan? love personally, like going in the way back, like I'm Ooh, talking childhood, growing oh. up where you got started and running. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Wow. Um, well for me, it started in high school, so I guess not too far back as a freshman. Um, I played football like my whole life. I I bounced around from like cornerback safety. And then when I got to high school, I had this ambition, this lofty dream to play football. Um, but my cross country coach had other plans. Um, and uh, he was smart because he was the PE coach too. So he kind of like saw me run around the fields and playing soccer and all that stuff. And so that's kind of like how he introduced himself to me. He's like, Hey, I think you'd make a great addition to our team. And I was like, what's cross country? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what, what that was. Um, so I just thought that was really funny. And I told him I'd think about it and sleep on it. Um, and then my two good friends at the time were joining or trying out for the team. And they kind of like persuaded me also. So that conversation with the coach at the time and the PE coach and my two friends kind of swaying me, that kind of like came together. Um, and then, you know, my first run with the team actually was like a three mile run, something really small and light. And we had one of the upperclassmen lead us. Um, but come to find out he had no idea where he was going. Like he had been on the team for like three years. <laughs> uh, and he didn't know that any of the route. And so me and my two buddies were like stopping and going, stopping and going, stopping and going. Um, and then I remember like the last time we had to stop maybe like four times in the run. I remember being like kind of mad, <laughs> you know, not at him, but like, it was like, hold up. I'm actually feeling really good. <laughs> I later come to find out it's like endorphins and you know, whatnot. Um, but I just felt like mechanically really good. I felt just really alive. Um, and that's kind of like how I fell in love with running. Um, we eventually made it back from our three mile run, thankfully. Um, but I remember telling like the upperclassmen like, hey, if, if we stop one more time, I'm just gonna keep running. I don't know where I'm going, but like, if you don't mind. Cause I just, I loved that state that I was in. I couldn't describe well, it. But, so you never had a um, time in your life where you hate it running, yeah. you just liked it. <laughs> just, just, yeah. Well, maybe, I guess maybe sprints. like um, running in football. Cause it was like, yeah, sprints <laughs> or punishment, right. I guess, if you will, yeah. So that's kind of how it was viewed. But then it was like running for, you know, this three mile run was like, oh, this is actually kind of fun. And I'm feeling good. Like it was a weird connection, but um, just loved it from there. From there, it really blossomed, I guess. So yeah. did you just totally transition then out of football and straight into cross country and Whoa. never looked back? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> never looked back. Um yeah, you know, we I had such like a good foundation on the team, trusting my coach, um, you know, trusting the guys on the team, seeing like their success. Um, you know, the coach's son was on the team. I just kind of felt like a, already a part of like a something bigger than me um, when I had joined. And so I, you know, I definitely thought about football, but we had a, we went to a small school. I mean, it was 130 kids total. So I, I didn't know like if the, 
football team would exist in a year or two years, <laughs> and sure enough, it did. How do you have any? Hold uh, on. Yeah. How do you even have enough players for more than us for let alone a football so, team? So, <laughs> you know, it was funny. We teamed up with another school from our division, okay. and it was kind of close. So I went to I went to a private school. And we teamed up with the school of deaf and blind. Oh, whoa. And so, like, they joined our rank. Well, we joined their ranks. They joined our ranks. And we, like, it was cool. It was, like, you know, them teaching us how to sign language. Um, just, like, things like that. Like, participating. And they were really, they were great athletes. Um, but so that was, like, all happening. And, like, I was running. And it was, like, well, I love running, but I also want to be part of the team. So it was weird. Uh but yeah, I just immediately fell in love with running. So I just kind of pursued that a little more just because I just knew that feeling and I wanted more of it. So obviously you, you love it, but when did you first have success or did you immediately know like, hey, I'm a pretty good, I'm pretty good at this? <laughs> we went to Flagstaff for our first meet. Um, I think, I believe it was called um, like Four Corners or something in high school. I don't know that I finished last on the team, but I was pretty close. I think I was on the JV squad and I ran like 23 minutes. Um, I definitely had to walk and I just was like fired up after that performance. It was very weird. It was like, I, I still knew that I loved it, but I wasn't very good. Um, and so like, yeah, that was like, it was a weird experience and knowing that I wasn't good, but like knowing that there were guys on the team better so like i think if they could do it i could do it too you know a second time was when my coach had me run by myself on this like on this bike path and he had me run like four laps i think or something it might have been a mile and he gave me some like old beat up new balance shoes i mean these things were old like no support uh and he like grabs me after the four laps and he goes you know how fast you're running and i was like like no i'm just i like this feeling and he goes you're doing a seven minute mile and this is when I was just in like brand new to running. And I think like seeing his face like light up, like just was like, oh, I think this could be nice. something really cool, you know? That's cool. So like those experiences both, I think. Yeah. So, uh, so, so you uh, start running, what year was that when you start running cross country for high school or running in general? <laughs> 2008. Okay. And, and you were a junior yeah. or how old were you in? I was a freshman. Oh, you were a freshman. Yeah. Time. Okay, gotcha. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so walk us through kind of your uh, high school career in, uh, and then where you went to college and everything like that. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously, so I went to a small Catholic high school. Um, it was St. Augustine Catholic High School. Um, yeah, recruited on the team. And then from there, um, you know, high school was a blast. I had great coaches. Um, ended up being really successful, like with the program. Um, our coach, he passed away in 2014 from brain cancer. But you know, in that time frame, he for 100 and 130 students, we had, I believe, 24 uh, state champions, if I'm not wow. uh, mistaken. And so, like, he did such a phenomenal job with us. And so, like, again, just buying into the program. But yeah, like that was, I was an awesome experience for me. And I ran what I thought was really awesome times for, for my coach. Um, but I wasn't good enough to go to D1. There was a couple of programs that were interested, but no one really offering me much. Um, and so I decided to go the junior college route. Okay. 
Uh, um, and I decided to go. Yeah. Um, real quick, I'm going to walk back to the, what you said about your coach. And, you know, obviously he, yeah. he did a pretty great job with you and, uh, and your teammates for a long period of time. But what, what are some of the things that stand out to you that made him such a great coach? Um, his love for it was it was very ironic because we ran very fast what we thought was very fast for him in our division but he cared more about like who you were as a person um so that's what it was it was like buying into the program and like caring for your brother and sister more than like anything else um he so again he passed away in 2014 i was in junior college i was on my way to nationals um you know for cross country um and i remember having a phone call with him like the week before he passed away and before i could even like get a word out he didn't care about like running or like what i was competing in he was like how are your grades and like are you going to confession so i'm catholic mm-hmm. um and that just like instilled in me like everything that i've been taught from day one he cares more about like my well-being than winning some some championship and he just he developed such like a family at uh, at the high school and like that's really what what I think we would you know figuratively die for each other out there on the track or you know go above and beyond whatever he asked you know and so he just made us believe in that brotherhood that was just so awesome for like all of us yeah um but yeah I think that's what did it because it was like it's just infectious, you know. It's like when you smile at somebody, it's hard for that person not to smile back. You know, it, it's it was just it was just so much love and so much like so much compassion and yeah, just you could tell like, yes, we were running fast, but it was like, how are you doing as a human being? So, so that's I think that's what made him really successful. So you're at junior college. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So again, I I wasn't quite great coming out of high school like my PRs were 428 for the mile uh, I think 946 for the two miles so I was like okay I need a lot of work but I'm like very excited to pursue whatever comes my way um, there was a junior college in Phoenix um, Paradise Valley area and they had just come off winning the national championship and so I was like I want to join that team um because and they were returning like six of their guys so i was like anywhere where i can be like the small fish and just really just learn and chase after these guys and just you know really just give myself and i actually went to a cross-country camp my senior year and that the director of the camp the coach of the camp is the coach of that team as well and so that's kind of how like that connection got started and so I joined, yeah, I joined that program and we finished third um, my freshman year. I think, I, I believe I was seventh man. And then my sophomore year, which was 2014, uh, we finished, I believe, seventh or eighth. Um, but a lot of learning lessons. Again, it was like, I didn't run anything fast. In fact, I think I went backwards. Um maybe some people like maybe my coach doesn't believe that or people will say I didn't, but like I felt running wise, I went backwards, but like that growth of a person that I was becoming, like made, I made leaps and bounds. Um, in what, so coach Barney, Dave, okay, go ahead. I was going to say in what ways can you kind of go into that? Mm-hmm. So Dave Barney uh, was our, is still the, the head coach at the uh, paradise Valley. And 
he hosts that cross country camp that I went to my senior year. And so we learned a lot of team building there. Um, and then throughout the whole season, he just instills in us, like when we go out to eat, for example, uh, we don't eat our food until everyone's been served. Um, so our, my food could be cold by the time. And there were times that that happened. Um, but it was like, we were a brotherhood. We were a sisterhood, like nobody was ahead of anybody like that was ty- the type of like program that he ran as the type ship that he ran and that was just like how do you want to like go and move forward in this life and like be respected you know because your word is your bond type of thing and so again running was like it seemed like it was on the back burner even though he's he was honest he was hounding us about running fast and definitely was disappointed when we didn't show up um but it was such character building, like lessons, like there's so many things I take now that um, so many quotes in my head that like, I think about like when I'm running, you know, in races or workouts and I'm just like, wow, what a, what an awesome person for me to like, for like, I was just so honored to be around that. But, um, but yeah, it was just like, who do you want to be? How do you take care of your family? Um, just like things, things that, really mattered and then it was like running <laughs> so but in turn you know it was like if you could take care of that part of your life then running would maybe come naturally i guess um but at the end of the day you know like he was trying to make champions too and so we had a lot of great runners a lot of runners better than me at the team and um it was just all around just a really fun time so um but yeah uh, junior college was a blast and i went there for two years i I thought about taking a red shirt year, but, you know, I definitely wanted to save that for how, wherever I ended up Yeah. Uh, after that. So, because, so. uh, since it was junior college, do you, with your coach, I, I find it interesting to invest so much into a team or athletes that you might even, might only see for a couple years before they move on to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it seems pretty special person to be able to kind of lay that groundwork for athletes who you might not see the successful fruits of until they're past, uh, you know, past junior college. It was like from day one, it was like June 1st hits and we're training for cross country. If you're not with us, you're against us type of mentality. A little extreme maybe (laughs) now that I think about it. Uh, But uh, you know, that was, again, that was the tight, program that he ran and um so yes you're right like you know seeing like maybe very minimal time with with the like a two-year program but it felt like five or six years because of the amount of time from june 1st we were spending with our teammates uh we were in the trenches if you will like training in 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 phoenix heat i mean 100 degrees sometimes and 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 triple digits like it Wow. It was like suffering with your brothers and sisters. And we all we all lived together, you know, in the same complex yeah. or whatever it was. Because um, we didn't have, we didn't have room and board, right? Um, but yeah, again, it was just like really building that team bonding experience. Like one of my, one of my coach's favorite movies is the, um, is Miracle. So the Miracle on Ice from the 1980 Olympic hockey team. Um, and we watch that, like, I even watch that yearly now because it's like, that's how much it's instilled in me. And like, that's the program like he's trying to wow. build. Um, and he was a hard ass, like how coach Brooks was, he, 
he was that way with us. Um, you know, and I respect him because he never used like foul language. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's he belongs to uh, he's LDS. He he's a Mormon. Okay. Um, he's a bishop of his church, and so I just like again, it was just so much respect for him, and like I was like, this guy has done it. Um, he ran. Um, he was a professional athlete. He he ran on the USA cross country team with like Coach Stone. So like he had he knew that he'd been there. Like he ran track in Europe. Like he had run really fast times, and so it was just cool to like know that somebody could do that and then come and give that much of themselves. So it was just like a no brainer to like for us to give that back to him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're exactly right. Like a two year program, maybe you see your teammates, maybe you don't, but it was like, you know, from day one, we were together wow. from, yeah. From I mean, it's gotta one. be pretty unique so. because I'm assuming in most, uh, D, let's say D one or T two or like major schools, you're not really having yeah. that, uh, level of camaraderie from day one yeah yeah it, it was interesting so i so he was a reason coach barney is the reason i got into byu mm. um he's the one who called up coach Eystone and was like hey you know i have an athlete here who i believe can make your team he just hasn't really done it yet and coach Eystone's like well i can't really take <laughs> somebody who like you know, and he's like, no, I just know he can run 30 minutes for the 10K. I just know it. Whoa. And Coach Eisen's like, all right, well, let's send him over my way, basically. Can't help him with the um, the process of getting into the school, but if he gets accepted, then, like, you know, of course I'll have him. Um, and so I just remember, you know, really praying about it. And then, because I didn't want to go there. Yeah. You know, I definitely had my uh, my doubts and my just my thoughts about what well, did you have like i was, like Mormon I was gonna people. say did you have religious differences considering it's a <laughs> yeah. Mormon school yeah huge religious differences i was like i don't really want to be converted like i, I just really <laughs> ignorant comments that i was just having with myself mm-hmm. i think until i really finally gave it a chance and then i loved my experience obviously but um but yeah, just like having a coach like vouch for you like that, because he, he was with me, obviously, my whole two years. He saw that how I ran. I didn't run great at all in junior college. And so, yeah, it was just an interesting, again, very interesting experience. But the fact that he would just like kind of lay it on the line and lay it, lay it on the line for like a good school like that yeah. was like, okay, that's all I needed to hear. And I got accepted. And, and then from there, it was, it was awesome, you know, my time there. Did you feel like you had a little bit of pressure to perform well just because you were given this opportunity by your coach? (laughs) Um, Yes and no. Um, So he, him and the family like drove me up to Provo, Utah from, from Arizona. Like I don't remember going like on a big trip like that. Like we all loaded up in his like 12 passenger van and I had like all my bags in the back and, we drove up to Utah and he kind of like laid out where everything was and it was just a fun time, but it was like, man, I'm so blessed to have a coach like this and so blessed to like be on, well, maybe be on a team. Cause I guess I was still kind of fighting, I think to like make the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, I was so blessed for this opportunity. So whether it worked out or not, I was just like very fortunate, you know, it's just like, well, I've come a long way and this is where it ends. And this is like, kind of where it ends but at the same time it was like i had some redemption not to prove to anybody else but it was like 
I know I could have a better career. I just don't know why I'm having it. Um, then we got blood work done at BYU, oh, wow. and I didn't know that was a thing, right? <laughs> uh, and my iron was like, it was like below twenty. Oh wow! And that's when it was like, boom. <laughs> holy cow! Yeah, just uh, I mean, placebo. I don't know, but like as soon as I, you know, the trainer gave me iron pills, and it was like a wrap that's after crazy. that. That's crazy. Um, and when I mean a wrap, it was like I just felt like myself again. I felt like that high school me, mm-hmm. feeling good running, and like enjoying the sport again so and i was like actually doing semi okay so so yeah so yeah so were you just like it was a lot of fun were, did I mean, you feel really tired after like all the time or after workouts um all the yeah. time all the time i ran 120 miles in junior college my sophomore mm. year like our coach was the real deal he he built us up for that uh we would do 120 180 back to 120 180 like we did that for like three weeks um like three sets of that and i just remember feeling so strong and i was like how does i don't care who you are you're not beating me in like in in the njcaa and then my first race i'm like 50th and i'm (laughs) like what's happening (laughs) um but yeah just tired all the time and my nutrition wasn't great like i i was feeding myself but i just didn't understand yeah that level of the sport yet and that level of what I really needed to feed myself and, and take care of my body. Um, but yeah, like I remember making it to nationals, um, in outdoor track and it happened to be in Phoenix, Arizona. It happened to be on the high school track, sorry, on the junior college track where I won state, like in high school. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is a dream come true. Like I'm maybe going to win my first national title. And I think I ran the 5K and 10K, um, but the 5K, I was like, I think I ran like 15 or 16 minutes oh. for the 5K. And I was just, I was just done. I couldn't understand. I was like, oh, it had, yeah. I just kept blaming the heat. I was like, it's the heat. The heat got to me. Um, I ran really poorly, um, but I just didn't know anything about iron. I didn't know anything about What's like the normal normal iron score? I mean, I know for for me as a woman, I need to be like above 40, but I think it's much higher for men, right? I should know this. Yeah, I I would assume it's like in the 60s now. Yeah, I mean, I'm not positive, but I mean, now my iron levels are great. But yeah, to be below 20, like was was pretty scary. Um, And it just made so much sense. Like everything clicked after that. After that, like getting blood work done by a program that was legit, you know, and then it was like, whoa, okay, this is, this is going to be fun now, you know? And, and it took me to my senior year to finally like blossom, you know, into the athlete I wanted to be. Um, so again, I had my turmoils and trials and challenges at BYU, but it was like, at least it was fun doing it. Yeah. Um, and I had a, I had a blast the whole time. So yeah. That's awesome. Um, when did you realize, it sounds like maybe in junior college, that you were a distance runner? I mean, you're putting in all those miles, but clearly distance running yeah. is, is for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've always been told by my coaches from day one that I'm going to be a marathoner. So high school coach kind of implanting that in me. Junior college coach with the high mileage, exactly. You can do better than distance events. And then Coach Eyestone just, like, it was, like, they gave me to Coach Eyestone, and then Coach Eyestone, like, wrapped the bow on the gift, <laughs> and he was, like, 
he just put it all together for me and he was like yeah this is your future for sure um and then i started noticing it in in our longer like five or six or seven mile tempos we would do with the team always excel in those you know it'd be like one of the top seven athletes you know in cross country and then track rolled around and i just i couldn't really hang on with the speed per se um i just kind of get pummeled like i never made it to a regional meet in track ever and that was like that was really heartbreaking for me because i felt like i had the ability i just didn't really know how to put it together yet um but then i do a workout like two days later versus a speed workout and like i would just kill it you know according to coach Eystone's standards and so that was just was like okay i wasn't like buying my time to get out of the program and try a marathon but i was just like i know somehow this is going to pay off this all the speed i'm doing all these strength workouts i'm doing like his program is just going to work for me and um just kind of hope that it comes together when i'm ready to so that's kind of like how it worked out it was like just being told i was going to be a marathoner and eventually just doing one one day what, yeah. what was that marathon one day? What was your first one? Uh, it, it was CIM. Uh, it, so that would have been, I decided post-collegially to stay with iStone and the team and train with Jared Ward. And I, I thought it was so yeah. cool. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was so cool to like say that I was like Jared Ward's training partner. Like, I thought that was the coolest thing. Um, so that would have been... That would have been 2017, December, CIM, and I ran 216. Um, and after that, I was like, okay, I, like I worked a full-time job and that's when I found out about the Mammoth Track Club and I was like, okay, they're like offering free housing, which means I don't have to work, which means I can like invest fully in running. Mm-hmm. And if I can run a 216, like shame on me, if I don't give this my all right now, because again, I had a coach who in high school was like telling me these great things and instilling in me like the person I could be. And then it was like, I need to give this my all. Like this, not for me, for him, for the people that have like come before me. Um, and so like, that's kind of like CIM was like a, just a real big eye opener. And I had, I had really bad stomach issues. Um, uh, yeah, without getting too like, I guess nasty just like i decided to keep running through um and <laughs> wait what mile, i just remember like what, what mile did you uh, have yeah. stomach issues at <laughs> it was like mile seven <sighs> i mean it was early and i know exactly what did it i'm pretty sure i took two weeks off from caffeine and i was like oh i just like read that somewhere and i was like oh this will work perfectly i'll be like so stimulated during the race and then i did coffee the morning of and such Dude, a bad yeah. bad move on my end but <laughs> but um you know i decided you know even though um i didn't want to stop to use the porta potty i instead went the other route like uh that just like proved to me that like if i can get it done in those situations <laughs> like circumstance i yeah. think i can um <laughs> i think i can take care of like most mental hard things that come my way um, you weren't wearing white shorts yeah, my, that day, my you? <laughs> no okay. no thank god i was not yeah i was not um Thankfully, I was not. But um, yeah, I was. I mean, my my inner thighs were all chafed. Like there was no skin. <laughs> oh, dude. I, mean, I I couldn't take a shower for a couple of days. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Oh man, <sighs> what a race! But yeah, it was it was awesome. And then um, 
got introduced to Andrew Caster and the Mammoth Track Club and it was like, oh, I want to really pursue this now, not just be like 80% in. Yeah. So, yeah, signed with them in 2018 and been here ever since. So it's, again, what a, what a journey it's been on, like I've been on. It's just such a blessing. So. Second check-in. I don't know if this is your first run since you ran Boston. Like you're like, okay, I'll give myself that almost week off and get back out there, listen to a podcast or two. And you're out here listening to this one. I hope you're enjoying it. And maybe you can help, you know, inspire someone else to make that trip to Boston and run the most iconic marathon in the world. So congrats to you. And if you're listening, again. Let's set those goals. You don't have to run Boston to be a runner, but wouldn't it be cool if you did? Was your um, transition from collegiate to pro, it sounded like you had a job in there. So it wasn't like immediately you're done with college and here's this pro contract. It was like you went into the real world for a little while. Yeah, I worked at a care center. Um, I... I want to devote my life to helping people. And I thought that that was like as nitty gritty as you can get when you're helping people with mental and physical disabilities, people who are, will live the rest of their life to a wheelchair and won't, can't even speak. And you have to bathe them. You have to, um, you know, just everyday life with them, you know, and, yeah um it's just like something that I knew was like my calling and still is and so it was like I loved that aspect of like my life and I loved running but like I knew this always needed to be a part of my life so I just like I kept pursuing that caregiving job and I just like I, I loved it I loved every second it was hard right it was mentally taxing but like the reward that comes from it. Like you just can't, you can't top that. And so it was really hard actually leaving, you know, the running program and how great they were and BYU is, and then even leaving that job, you know? So it was, I think about my residents quite a bit still and just like the funny memories like we have with them. But I worked with some, a lot of patients that, you know, had mental disabilities that I was like, well, I'm weighing over my head, but, these people just need love at the end of the day, you know? Wow. So, um, what made yeah, you, that, um, yeah. what made you feel like you're called to do that kind of thing or wanted to do that in your life? I think just the people that I've been, that God has been, that's put in my life for sure. Um, from my high school coach, um, and then my other high school coach, who I haven't mentioned yet, his name is Tim, Tim Bentley. Like, him taking over the team kind of like my junior senior year and just the way he treated us and the way he instilled in us, like being a good individual, being great. Um, and then my junior college coach, like it all went back to that. Like it all somehow went back to what kind of person do I want to be? And like, what kind of like, how do I want to like leave my impact on the world? And so that's kind of like, that was like a big driving force for me. It was like, you know, just showing people respect and compassion and just like 
love at the end of the day, just like trying to spread that, spread that love. I mean, um, in, in, at BYU, I finished junior year. I finished uh, like 138th, I think, or 148th in, in cross country. And then senior year, I was top 10. I was ninth. Wow. I treated that like I won nationals. Like I threw my hands <laughs> up in the air. I was the first finisher for BYU. Um, Jared Rotinski at the time uh, was like the next top finisher besides like me in a, like in a while that Coach Iceland had in the top 10. And I just remember like that night it hit me. It was like I didn't gain like 100 extra followers. Like nobody was <laughs> knocking on my hotel door. Like I didn't have like a full bed and breakfast when I woke up. Like that's when it hit me like, oh, I love this sport and I, I'm doing very well, but it doesn't define like who I am. And it, like that moment will always, like I'll remember that because it was like my work that I was doing with at the caregiving center, I think is way more meaningful than getting ninth place at, at cross country. And I just, like I, from that, from that moment on, I just developed like my why, um, on like why I run, you know, like it's much bigger than, yeah. than me and like much bigger than my successes. But, um, but yeah, it was like, a, it was like a hard reality to come to. It was like, Oh man, like no cute girls are down in the lobby, <laughs> you know, like, like, I, I don't know. Like it was just like, nothing was going to change. It was just like, wow, what do I really want to go moving forward from here? Like who do I want to be? Yeah. You know? So yeah, that's kind of like my driving force though for a long winded, <laughs> long winded answer. Yeah. So how did that end up? Um, so how do you tie those things together now? Kind of the, uh, you know, that, aspect that you feel uh whether it's giving back or charitable or kind of just like selfless aspect um combined with your running now i joined when i joined the metal track club i was in a lot of turmoil my first two years i was like what am i doing like i'm running great you know i i improved on my pr in the 10 mile and in the marathon under coach caster but i was like i'm like sitting down off my feet waiting for my second run but like, I'm not helping people like this is like kind of driving me nuts. Um, like, I feel like I'm just kind of throwing away time and then it, it's taken a while now, but like Indina Cast has really helped with this perspective, but just like the influence and the reach that I could have by running faster. Um, because that then allows me to have the conversation with people to say, Hey, you know, what you're doing is great. I hope you succeed in everything you do, but I hope you know that doesn't define like who you are. And that's the conversation I want to have with people. That's like my message I want to get out. Um, when I'm running now, whether it's in practice or in races like the 15K, it was a no-brainer. Uh, when I was ordered to charge up the hill and break as many people as I can, it's it's because like what I've been through in my life, what I've seen um, with my own family trauma um, and just with other people's trauma, like that's the hard stuff. What I'm doing is is a privilege, and yes, it is hard in the moment. Um, but if I can get through that part of my life, if I can, if I could be accepting and be okay with the fact that I never got to see my coach before he passed away in high school because I was so worried about running nationals and not traveling, like those kind of moments stick with me, and it's like my driving force for like why I do things, you know, and I don't want to be viewed as like a quitter. Um, 
you know, in that sense, what I mean is like, if I can succeed in running, if I commit to the move, if I push myself, if I get uncomfortable, um, I will learn valuable skills because one day I want to have a wife. One day I want to have kids. One day I want to have a community that I love and I don't want to give up because I gave up in running. And that's just like how I view everything now. And it's been really profound for me because it's like, uh, like Dina says, I get this opportunity, this beautiful opportunity to run and create this art with my running. And then people will like start to like, oh, I want to go talk to him. And I really just want to know, like tell people this message that what you're doing is like much larger than you. Like I even take it as deep as like, how I wake up every morning affects somebody else. So for example, if I wake up with an attitude and I don't want to get the day started, like that's going to affect somebody. Oh man. And I'm that's think like about a that big... every morning. <laughs> you're going to be like, oh, Nico's really got me thinking. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. By, by no means, by no means. Yeah. Is it perfect? But, um, that's that's a big driving force and now i just want to live out i want to live out everything that i've been told and i've people have believed in me like i just want to live that out you know as best as i can and so i mean again you know the 15k was great yeah no sorry do you see go ahead do you see when or you probably see this in other athletes or other runners where there's their identity is so tied into running and maybe from a young age even that it's almost the only thing so that when they suffer losses or setbacks, it almost is becomes a, like a world ending event for them or something because there's no other purpose or meaning other than running. Um, I don't know if there, you've seen that in other people before or not. Yeah, I know I have, and it's happened with myself when I joined the team. Mm. Uh, I had like a streak where I was like, I think I'm ready to hang it up. You know, I think it's about time. Like I ran 214 in the marathon. It's pretty good. Um, broke 47 minutes for 10 miles. Like I, I'm pretty happy, you know, I think that's good. But I realized how much I was just like how much of my self-worth I was tying to my performances. And that's when I had to like break away from that um, and really learned that that's just not what it is. That by no means like that's if you critically think about that, like it's just like you're brain's way of just leading you down this like it our brain wants to protect us at the end of the day that's what it's doing but i think what we do is like we take that sometimes too much to heart um and then we just go down this like rabbit hole but but yeah you're right like i've seen athletes just like tied too much and then those are the athletes that i think have the hardest time bouncing back um because it's so tied to like who they are and it's like no running is what you do and is where you're very good at but it's not who you are mm. um like who you are is much bigger and if we can get that picture painted for you then you're gonna like you're gonna blossom in every way yeah so so yeah again yeah okay i know we just talked about how your running times aren't everything but can we talk about some <laughs> of your recent ones because they're super <laughs> impressive <Yes>. um <laughs> thank you starting with the fall in chicago you run mm-hmm. a one thirteen and change um, mm-hmm. for a PR, and that was an insanely hot day. Were you yeah. like, yeah. yeah, you were there, right? 
Or... Uh, yeah, we were we were filming. I wasn't running, yeah. but I was there. And um, oh, nice. <laughs> like that was not a PR day. I, like, how did you do mm. that? <laughs> you know, uh, Coach Coach Caster, Dina Caster is the same way. I think everyone who comes to this program is pretty like on with this philosophy, but. Andrew says the fitter you can get, the more you can kind of quote unquote, like slice through that weather or slice through whatever circumstance maybe be out of your control. And so like the 20K, for example, when I was in a sprint finish with being Sabasa and Ben True, it was like, it was hot that day, but somehow like I, that was kind of when it first hit me, it was like, oh, coach is right. Like the fitter you get in your like trained environment, like the more you can kind of work through those like fit is fit basically is what he's trying to say and so in chicago i remember like we had like this um um this meeting uh like in the hospitality suite to go over pace because uh some of the pacers wanted to slow down maybe or they wanted to talk to the american athletes and say hey what do you want to do now because we realize it's not pr conditions and they started throwing out times that were much slower than what i wanted <laughs> i just turned to coach castor and was like we're sticking to the plan. Like, I don't, I don't know why they want to mess around and dilly dally, but like, we're here to, we're here to run. We're here to run fast. Um, and so that's kind of like what I stuck to. And thankfully, um, Matt Yano stuck to the pace for as long as he could. And it was like, I'm, the weather didn't affect you until you let it, I think, um, which was later in the race, to be honest. So like, I remember feeling like a million bucks coming through halfway and I was still in PR what were the PR city? What were the so, temperature? Was it like high seventies or? I think like, yeah. Okay. And super humid. Up into the eighties, I believe. Wow. Super humid, yeah. Um, but it was just like I had these like you know blinders on. It was like five minute pace or or under. You know if if the pacer was doing that. So, you know, obviously that didn't happen. But like by doing that, by setting myself up, I came with away with a great PR, and you know I fought really hard. So. Yeah. Do you almost feel like if the weather is really bad, you're at an advantage over everyone else with your mindset? Yeah. It was it was terrible in Terre Haute, Indiana, when I ran cross country and got ninth. Um, it's cold, um, but like I love that kind of stuff because mm -hmm. it's like maybe some people are like, oh, it's not perfect, but it's like, oh, I I live here, I've lived here, and I continue to live here, so let's go. You know. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I could have that mindset. I'm like checking the weather like every day, refreshing my weather app before a race, hoping for the best. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about Gate River Run since that was recent yes. and you just took the big W there. Um, what was your goal heading into that? I, <laughs> I didn't want to run it. Uh, I told Andrew... Uh, if we could just scratch the race, I'll worry about Boston and we can just put all our eggs in that basket. Um, I had, I was coming off like a knee injury right after the half marathon championships in December. Mm. And um, we just stuck to uphill running. And it was like, I like to see kind of what I'm doing, you know, like mile markers, whatever. And coach was like, I just want you to run hard for 30 minutes uphill. Wait, how and does the next that? Week it'll be 40 minutes. Was that just on a treadmill or like, how does that work? Uh, we, we went down in altitude and we just ran up this like hill basically. Oh. <laughs> like, just like you have half, me start an in this dirt. half an hour straight up. <laughs> well, 
Well, yeah, and, and thankfully it wasn't too straight up. Like you could get a faster, like okay. definitely evened out, but there were definitely some hard paces, but it was all for the knee. It was all to take the pressure off the right, knee, right. to take the pressure off myself. And so we did three weeks of that. It was wow. We called it uphill running. I mean, it was just, it is what it was. And during those three weeks, I was like, yeah, I'm okay with not running the 15. Like I accept that reality. And uh, what bothered me was I was accepting the fact that I didn't want to go get sixth and be able to look myself in the mirror and be like, oh, I came up short. And it took me like a couple of days to realize like this again, like this isn't what I'm running for. I'm not running for first place. Like, yes, I am. I want to be competitive. But if, if I'm really letting like a fifth or sixth or eighth place, like hold me back from like doing this, like that's not a good enough excuse. I remember doing a fartlek workout again, there's really no criteria you can hold to that. Um, and so, like, I just remember doing this fart lick. I remember feeling good. I had no idea, like, I think we went eight miles in terms of the fart lick. But, like, you know, it's varying paces. And I was just like, you know what, Andrew, we're, we're doing the 15K, actually. Like, I decided because, like, this is the person that I said I was going to be five years ago. Mm. Um, and then, like, the uphill running just, like, really blossomed and complemented my, um, my straight tempos, flat tempos, flat workouts, speed like all that just really complemented together. And then I remember like sitting down in this couch with like Andrew and he goes, you know, I've been in this race multiple times. I will tell you exactly how to win it. You go up that hill and then you run for your dear life. <laughs> and it scared me. And it was like, like, are you sure? <laughs> like, uh, and he was like, no, I'm telling you right now, like, this is like what you do. And he said some colorful words that I won't repeat, but uh, it was just like, wow, like, he's telling me I can do it. And then my, but my training's not there. Like I, I just had all these doubts and then I just decided, you know what, I'm going to put my full faith in Andrew because he's never led me astray and I'm just going to go after what I want. And we just like, when we did the uphill runs, it was thinking about the green monster. When we did anything, it was thinking about that move. Um, and then I remember like a couple of days before the race, I saw Gavin Rupp had entered. It was a late ad, I'm pretty sure. Ah, um, and part. I remember, yeah, I remember going to Andrew and I was like, hey, Andrew, so should we switch the game plan? Like, and he goes, no. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, basically, he's like, we're not flying 3,000 miles that you can go get fifth. <laughs> and it was just like, again, it solidified that conversation I had when my knee was still bummed up. Like, sitting on that couch going over our game plan for Boston, it was like, okay, I need to commit. If I don't like commit to this again, it's, it goes back to like, do I want to quit on myself? And then like not instill that when I have a family, a wife, a kids, a community, or do I want to like really pursue like what it is I'm here to do? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that was how 15 K played out. And, um, it was just all about that move. It was all about, staying as comfortable as I could. Um, I'm a big Galen Rupp fan, so I, like, binge watch, like, all his YouTube videos and all his, wow. like, interviews. And he talked about, like, how he lurks. He likes to lurk and stay comfortable. And then when it's time to make his big move, he does it. And it was so ironic because in the race, he took the lead huh. from, like, 5K on. And I was sitting back in 12th place going, man, this isn't like Galen at all. Like either we're all, we're along for a really fast race or like, or something's just, I don't know what's going to happen, but like, I'm ready for it. And I was like trying to lurk and trying to be like the next Galen. And I was like, wait, what am I doing in 12th place? Like, 
Galen has clearly showed he wants to get uncomfortable early on. So surely I can come out of my little shell and be uncomfortable too. And then I moved up uh, into like third or fourth place and stayed there until until it was time to strike. So it was just kind of putting everyone else in my rear view mirror and going, not today. Like I'm not dealing with you today. It's just like I'm focusing on the guys that are up front. No disrespect to anybody else, but like I came here with the mission and it's like, if it's me and Galen coming up the hill, it's going to be me and Galen going up the hill, like whatever it ends up being. But like, I know that I'm ready for this, for this moment. So. Final check-in. All right. I'm committing to it. I'm going to say, hey, we're going to do what it takes to get to Boston next year. I know that Robbie's down. Megan will be there. We got Brandon running. We'll be there next year, and hopefully we'll get to see you. So you start practicing. You start doing what you got to do to make sure you got a qualifying time. Talk to you soon. We didn't get to watch um, the live coverage, so... I don't know mm-hmm. when when did Galen drop and what di- what did that do to you mentally, if anything? So Colin Colin Beanie, Colin Benny, he took the lead, I think, at around seven miles. That's when Galen it was like I was so like focused on my move that I was like, Oh, Galen's taking a little breather, but he'll be back. And then it was like focus on Colin's back for the rest of the race because he's a really phenomenal runner. And so I was like, he's the real deal. Um, and so like, I was just focused on his back and kind of didn't realize, again, it was putting everyone else, like anybody I passed was now in my rear view mirror. Like it just was no looking back. It was just only looking forward. Um, and so like, again, Colin took that lead and I was focused on his back. And then, so I wasn't really too concerned with Galen or anybody at that moment. It was just like, who was ahead of me? Who could I like pray off of? And then, um, is weird because like mile seven was by far the hardest mentally and physically for me. Like it finally started to settle in. And I didn't know this because my body was really saving up for that charge it had to do. Or if I was just like, oh, I actually am tired because I'm marathon training. You know, I don't know which one it is, but I like had to like really quickly get rid of that thought and was like, okay, we're going. And I guess apparently I did move a little late. According to my coach, he wanted me to move just a little bit earlier. Um, but it played out well, and um, I, I did exactly what he said. I, I ran 440-ish up the hill, and then I just ran for dear life. Um, and it was just like, I don't know. I just imagine them being like one or two seconds behind me the whole time. Like, I I cringe at people who look at behind uh-huh. them in races. I'm always yelling on TV, and there was me <laughs> looking behind me like every <laughs> – and I was like, yeah, I'm, I can't, I can't talk crap anymore on those people because <laughs> uh, I know what they're going through finally. Um, but it was, yeah, it was, it was run for my dear life. Uh, once I crested the hill and it was like, let's go for it, you know. And so, you know, after the race, people like Hillary Bohr and some other athletes were like, oh yeah, we thought we were going to catch you. Like, it's a really fast last downhill mile and we just thought we were going to catch you. And I was like, huh okay so like he didn't really know who i was he didn't respect me like this makes the win so much sweeter because of that you know (laughs) yeah so um you know and again i don't do it for their respect but it's just like okay 
and then I, I kind of joked with Hillary Bohr and I was like, so if I do this race next year and I go with like three miles out, are you going to go with me? And he goes, oh yeah, like I'm not letting you out of my sight. <laughs> I was like, oh great. <laughs> another, another guy to worry about. <laughs> and so did your, was your knee okay after that or like in between yeah. then and now? Okay. My, yeah, my knee's, my knee's been great. Um, you know, I'm doing a lot of strengthening with the PT and it's just been, it's been really good. I'm just like loading it the wrong way. So I'm trying to like teach my brain how to load it properly and not overload it. And so, you know, with mixed with the uphill running, mixed with my awesome training here in Mammoth, it just like that race was just so cool, you know, but, um, yeah, it's just a, it was really nice to just finally solidify a a national championship. My coach was there my dad was there. So like that just made it even better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So next up for you is Boston Marathon, which we're, Mm -hmm. it's coming up quick here. Um, (laughs) How are you feeling about training? I mean, clearly it's going pretty well, but how are you feeling about race day and are there any goals you can share with us? Yeah, I'm feeling, uh, I get to this point in my training now where it's like, I just want the gun to go off because I, there comes a point in the race where you, you have to make decisions that nobody else can make, obviously. And we've all been there. And that's like the nitty gritty I want to get into and make those decisions. And like, you know, so I'm like, I guess I, in a way I'm anxious for that gun to go off and, and, and roll with the top pack. But um, definitely, you know, a top 10 at a world major um, is always the goal, you know, and then just worrying about the people who are in front of me and, and chasing them down or running with them, whatever that takes. But um, that's kind of like what I, you know, manifest doing and see myself doing is just whoever's up front is who I'm running with. So no, not putting anything else to their name or anything like that. So, but yeah, top 10 performance, just like Chicago. So that'd be a, that'd be a great takeaway. I like that. Um, you mentioned, during the 15k that like some negative thoughts came in around mile seven and you had to like Mm -hmm. transition from that is there something that you do physically or mentally to like switch your brain off of that negative thought yeah so i mean i've been i've been working with a like a mental wellness coach for like a little over a year now and it's like those those thoughts are always going to come in, but it's how we add value to that. And then, so it's like, as long as I don't put extra weight to that. And it's like, these something Dina Castor sh- shared with me. It was like, you know, cause at that point it was really hurting. It was like, Oh my gosh, maybe I am like, maybe I can't make this move. You know, it was kind of the thoughts was like going on. And it was like, Dina shared with me. And I remember something she shared. It was like, if you're running your best ability, like to your fullest potential on that day, it is supposed to hurt like every step of that way. Like Dina, like remembers running some of her best races. And she's like, if I'm really hurting, like really, really hurting, then I know I'm running very fast. And like that person behind me is, is getting dusted, you know, basically. And so that's kind of like what went through my head. It was like, okay, this is how it's supposed to feel. Like I'm okay. You know, I will be okay. Like I've always crossed the finish line. That's the ironic thing is like your brain has a very funny way of protecting itself again. Just saying like, oh, let's just slow down the pace a little Mm -hmm. bit. But 
it just wants to protect you and you just kind of have to like overwrite that and be like no this is actually what we train for you know Mm -hmm. we don't train to be comfortable so yeah it was like it was a that moment you know and it was like yeah and because we had we had like 10 or 12 guys i think still with us so it was a very large pack i was i was like how am i supposed to break all these amazing athletes like how (laughs) is that gonna work um but luckily luckily enough it did and so you know i was just thankful for that but yeah things like that like this is supposed to hurt like boston i don't necessarily have like cues or anything but things that i know like when things like that happen when our protective mode brain kicks in it's like think about things that you've done that you've accomplished before and when i say accomplished it doesn't mean like getting first place or getting that like top trophy it just means crossing that finish line when you didn't think you could um or anything of that nature like finishing that last rep when you thought you were just totally spent but you somehow did it and i go back to those moments because it's like oh i just proved to my brain that i can so like okay let's let's be uncomfortable for 20 more minutes you know it's gonna be okay (laughs) type of thing so yeah, I'm going to need that. Yeah. I'm going to need that around Heartbreak Hill for sure. <laughs> oh, nice. So you're running Boston too. That's yeah. awesome. I'll be way behind you, but yeah. I'll be out there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see each other after the race, I'm sure. I hope at some point. Yeah. yeah. What, I think I already know the answer, but what shoes will be on your feet race day? 2.0, the skies. Oh, uh, those things you got them? Sky 2.0s. You got the twos? Yeah, yeah. Man. Yeah, I got the twos. Um those will be on my feet and I'm just, I'm stoked. Uh, I'm not like a super nerd about like the shoes. I don't know like what's different, but I just know they're fast. Yeah. And, and I just love them. You know, I, Asics has done such a good job. You can tell like just the integrity that they have with their products. And so I just fully trust it. And I'm just like, okay, this is, I no longer feel that I'm at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, yeah. I just feel very confident. Did you yeah. run Gate River Run in the regular Sky, or is that also the Sky too? The Sky twos. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, I've I run, I've run fifteen k in the twos. I've run the half champs in the twos. So that was back in December. Nice. Yeah, they were pink then. Well, at least I got a pink version. Yeah. So totally different colors now. <laughs> <laughs> but they're still a great shoe. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I use the I use the original Skies quite a bit actually for my all my training sessions and those have been going really well. So I, the original skies are just as good. So nice. Yeah. The original yeah. sky is my favorite, my go-to shoe on race day for sure. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. That's a really good choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. We yeah. are almost to the hour mark here. So we just have a few end of podcast questions that we like to ask everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's dive into those. Okay, great. Headphones or no headphones when you're on a solo run? Oh, headphones. <laughs> Easy. Yeah. yeah. What are you listen what are you yeah. listening to? Um, most recently I have uh so my girlfriend made me a playlist and gosh, of course I forgot like all the artists <laughs> on it now, but it's a mixture of like everything. Um like I know Taylor Swift is on there, um a couple of Taylor Swift songs. Gosh, <laughs> let's see. Uh <laughs> yeah just like uh a lot of songs that are like her style and like i've learned well i actually really like those songs and some some of them are like sad songs but like i like <laughs> feel empowered <laughs> it's really weird um but then like i do have a run playlist too that i'll switch back and forth from and that's like 
I sometimes I have like motivational podcasts on there, but like one of the most recent albums I've been really into is J. Cole's uh, most recent album. And like he has such a spiritual journey. And so like that, just I really relate with that. And so I'll just listen to that on repeat. Nice. So yeah, headphones, J. Cole. <laughs> As a Taylor Swift fan, I'm just going to assume you're always listening to Taylor Swift because that makes me happy. <laughs> Um, Do you have the, are are you wearing right now the Jaybirds? Is that what you're wearing or is it? These are the uh, Beats, uh, I think the Beats Pro as they just fall out of my ear. I couldn't couldn't tell. Yeah, the Beats, I don't, I don't want to click this. I think it'll end the call. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah, I think it's the Beats Pro. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so. Okay, what is your celebratory post-race meal or beverage? Or both? Oh, uh, well, beverage, it's any, uh, so like I'll get anything with a Coke. As long as a Coca-Cola is involved and like multiple, like we're good. <laughs> it could be cereal and Coke. I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> Just like anything related to that. Awesome. I love it. Okay. Yeah. And our final question, which I think I might also know the answer to. If you weren't a professional runner, what would you be doing? You know, I've, I've been telling people for a long time that I, I do want to become an occupational therapist. Um, but I think at the end of the day, if that doesn't happen, if I don't go back to grad school, it's just, yeah, something that involves with me helping people on a, on a very, very personal level. So something along that nature. You know, I hope that as I continue running, that'll kind of like be revealed to me, you know, towards the end of my career, whenever that is. So, but yeah. Something like that. Uh, I actually have one more question. Go for it. Uh, And and you had to be honest about this. How close is my mustache to Jared Ward level? um, (laughs) If you had to. I'm trying. You got to get closer. (laughs) You know what? Actually, that's pretty good. So I'm going to use a scale one to five. One being like. Not close, but by being pretty close, I'd put you at like a four and a half. Hey, oh, yep, that's real good. <laughs> Putting that on the resume, <laughs> Mika said it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, all right. We'll put that as your like quote for the um, yeah, at, for the promo. The yeah. dude, that's perfect. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, I'm excited to see Jared at Boston, it would be a fun time. Yeah, is he um, yeah. is he running Boston as well, or is he uh, yeah. I didn't actually think maybe I misspoke, but I, he might be, I I actually don't know. So yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. That'd be great. It seems like he runs it every year, right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like he normally does. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It was super fun to get to know you a little bit more and I'm excited to meet you in real life in a few weeks. Yes. And I'm super disappointed. I can't meet you in real life in a few weeks. Robbie (laughs) will cry. You know, I will talk to Andrew and see what we can do with the nice. uh, the, the sweatshirts. sweatshirts. So, oh yeah, <laughs> the man is track club sweatshirts. All right, cool. I'll just send him this podcast and he'll know what to do. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah. Right on. yeah. All right. So, All right. Thanks. Thank Nico. you guys so much. All right, once again, thanks to everybody who came out to the Boston Run. Really appreciated your support. We had a lot of fun handing out bagels, drinking coffee, going for a little bit of a shakeout run. You guys are just amazing. Yeah. 
<laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe you want to thank New Balance or something, Robbie. Uh, yeah, thanks to New Balance for having us up uh, on Wednesday. That was a crazy awesome time. And it's it's interesting to think about because you're like, wait, this is only ha- <laughs> this doesn't happen that often. Mm-mm. The opening of a $25 million track. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm sure Worlds this summer will be awesome, but the that day was just a lot of fun, very cool. And it's one of those places where you know there's just going to be world records and amazing moments for like decades to come. Yeah, they even play, they have like a basketball court there and everything. They can test mm-hmm. out their other sports. So it's not just, just a track, but... Yeah, if you get a chance to go there, you need to check it out. Yeah. Also want to thank ASICS for being our partner for the Bagel Run and... All they do for us. It's great that we get to be part of the brand and help promote the sport. So and Megan Featherstone, yeah, yep, feathers, Featherstone. Feather yeah, and thanks nutrition. to all of our like fans and friends out there who came and said hi and how much they enjoy the content. It really means a lot. So thank you all who came and said hello. So uh, a special one, Robbie. Doctor Michael Linden apparently sent us an email that he listens to the drop and listened to the drop on the bus on the way to Hopkinton. So, and he said he would like a free shirt if if he missed it. So we, we'll get you that shirt, doctor. Uh, pretty much wraps. Wraps. You want to say Ma? Hi, Ma. There you go. All right. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next week. Bye.